Do you ever wake up full of worries, feeling that the Lord is far from you? Pastor Andrew Brunson spent two years in a Turkish prison, and he felt those same things. He says he woke up every single day with fear and with grief and with anxiety, and I'd begin to fight, okay, God, I want to embrace my assignment. If my assignment is to be in prison now, give me the endurance, help me to persevere. And I would fight for this throughout the day with various things. One of them was dancing. There were other things that I did as well until by the end of the day into the evening, I'd usually reach a point where I had surrendered. And that would bring me into the deepest level of peace that I experienced in prison. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Last week, we started our conversation with Pastor Andrew Brunson, who was in prison for two years in the nation of Turkey. He is the author of a brand new book called God's Hostage. It just came out last Tuesday. I hope you will order a copy, and we'll give you a link to do so at vomradio.net. Andrew, welcome back to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. I know one of the things that Richard Wormbrand inspired you to do was to dance in prison. Uh, and we talked a little bit last week about how you got in, got Pastor Wormbrand's books in prison, how you began to read about his life. But talk about the, the inspiration to dance. So in my first period in prison, I was very broken. And I don't want my story to be one of darkness and silence of God and and just struggle, although that was very much underlying my whole time in prison. There was definitely a rebuilding process. I think of the first period as as brokenness and then uh, beginning to cooperate with God's grace in a different way that then started me on an upward trajectory. And so one of those things was, I think I already talked about making that decision where with my will, I say, I'm going uh, to be faithful. Uh, whatever you do or don't do, I'm going to follow you. So that began, uh, after that, a series of things that I did with my will determined to focus myself on God. One of them was, I read, and Richard Wurmbrandt talked about how he was in isolation uh, cell, and he remembered verses from Luke where Jesus said, blessed, and I'm going to quote them from Matthew, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things about you. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they treated the prophets who came before you. So Wurmbrandt uh, took these as a command, and he said, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be exceedingly glad in this prison cell. And he began to leap around and dance like a, like a wild man uh, for a time. I don't know if he continued that throughout his imprisonment, but at least at, at that moment he did for, for a period. And I was really inspired by this, but also convicted because I thought during my time in prison, I've had no sense of joy. 
And this is a command that when I'm persecuted, I'm supposed to rejoice. I'm supposed to be exceedingly glad. And so I, I determined that I would do what Wurmbrandt had done and do it as a discipline, not out of any feelings, because I didn't feel any happiness or gladness or joy. But I said, this is a matter of obeying uh, the words of Jesus and having that perspective. And so I began every day to set aside five minutes, and I would, I would start out by saying, I repent that I have not been joyful because you commanded me to be joyful. I'm sorry. I repent. Please forgive me. And now I am going to perform an act of joy. I don't feel it, but look at my action. And this is a step of obedience with my will to say, I am going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad before you in these terrible circumstances. I'm separated from my wife and children. I don't know the future of what's going to happen to me. And, and I'm, I'm isolated in prison but I'm going to rejoice. And then I would begin to dance and I would hop around. It's not a very wonderful, you know, a, a great dance, but I would hop around, I would leap, I would, I would dance before God every day as a discipline. And I would sing those verses and then I would say, rejoice and be glad, rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And then I began to jump and leap in the air and say, I will dance as Wurmbrand danced. I will leap as Wurmbrand leaped. And I do that for about five minutes, leaping around, not feeling anything, but saying, I am going to declare, I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm suffering for Jesus. It will bring reward. And I want to be obedient and count this as a joy. It's interesting, and we talked a little bit about this last week, but the the act of the will, and you talk in the in the book, it talks about this again and again. I choose. I make this decision. This is an act of my will. One of the things you talk about in the book is is locking away some of your questions and some of your frustrations. And my eyes perked up when I saw it because it's an idea that you got from Dan Bauman, who has also been our guest here on Voice of the Mars Radio. Uh, but but talk a little bit about that, just saying, okay, I'm not going to deal with this question. I'm not going to deal with this frustration right now. That's locked away. We'll talk about that later. So I, I want to mention this uh, act of the will because we do have a choice, even if it's a restricted choice. And even if it's very, very difficult, we have a choice. And it it can be a very small step that we have to take, but the question, am I turning myself toward God or away from him? Just a very basic positioning that we determine with our choice. I had a lot of questions, a lot of doubts, and there, there are some things you would know from reading the book that I don't have time to explain here that, that really shook my confidence in, in God in some areas. And I had all of these questions and doubts, and I found that they were suffocating my relationship with God. So Noreen would come in and speak truth to me, and I'd say, yes, but. Or I read the Bible, and I'm, okay, yes, but. This was my, my, my heart that was burdened with, with offense and unanswered questions and doubts. And I read uh, about Dan Bauman, who had a, a disappointment uh, he talked about in a book, he, he was offended at God and didn't understand. And it, at some point, he, 
just lock things away in a mental, you know, a, a box he imagined. And I said, I've got to do this. So I imagined uh, my my box is different from Dan's, but I imagine this, you know, high tech uh, safe with a digital handprint and a handle. And I and I opened it, and I imagined, I visualized putting in every question, every doubt, everything I had said about God's character, and that was wrong. And I then turned the handle. And I put my hand, that digital handprint, and it's locked. And I said, God, you can open it, and I can open it. Nobody else can open it. You can open it anytime you want, if you want to bring these things out and deal with them and answer in some way. But I make a decision. I will not open this door. I will not. Because I don't need answers to have a relationship with you. And that was actually a key thing, because I still had questions and, and, and doubts, but I, I said I will no longer entertain them. When they come in, I banish them. And every time one of them came up, I'd say, no, you stay in the box. You're locked in the box. And that changed things, because as I said, I, I was still in the same circumstances. But it opened up my heart so that I was able to begin to receive again and so that my heart would soften and tenderize toward God. So my questions weren't all answered. They still aren't. But I can tell you that my heart is tender toward God. And it, it one of the most important steps was that putting away of offense. Because that is when we don't understand things and there are difficulties. It's so easy to become offended at God. And, and that hardens the heart. It grows cold. I would encourage our listeners. We, we had a conversation with Dan Bauman here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, and you can go hear his story of being imprisoned in Iran. Uh, it is an encouraging, it is an amazing story. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Pastor Andrew Brunson. He's the author of a new book called God's Hostage, and we will give you a link to order a copy at vomradio.net. Andrew, talk us through your days in prison, because I know— you talk in the book about really struggling in the morning. Oh, it's another day. I'm still in prison. And then kind of almost daily rebuilding your faith and making those conscious decisions. No, I'm not going to doubt. I am going to trust. Kind of talk us through how your day went. So this is in the second half of my imprisonment, especially. And after I had begun to really fight for my relationship with God in a different way. And there were a number of steps I took. One key turning point was when the Turkish government increased the charges against me uh, so that the automatic penalty for this was three life sentences in prison and solitary confinement with no parole. So I've been running after, you know, really pressing in now with my will, trying to discipline myself to seek him every day. And this knocked me out because I thought I may never see my children again. I may never be with my wife again. And it, it knocked me down. But within a couple of weeks, uh, I wrote a song. And I'm not a songwriter. I didn't sit down to write a song. But I just started to express my grief and my, my, my feelings to God. And then what started to come out was, you are worthy of my all. So of all this pain, of this grief, of this the isolation I'm going through, 
of this terrible loss I'm feeling now that this could be the rest of my life just withering away in a Turkish prison. You are worthy of this, Jesus. You are worthy of it. And there was a verse I wrote, uh, as I said, just it, this was my heart song, and this it was just for God. I want to be found worthy to stand before you on that day with no regrets from cowardice, things left undone. To hear you say, well done, my faithful friend. Now enter your reward. Jesus, my joy, you are the prize I'm running for. And I focused in on saying, I want to be found worthy to stand before you without regrets. And this means that I need to embrace the assignment that you have for me. I could stand before Jesus and he could say to me, Andrew, there were things I wanted to accomplish through you, but, but because of cowardice, you ran away from them. And if someone had opened the door to me in prison in my first eight or nine months, I would have run out of it even if God was saying, Andrew, this is your assignment. I would have done what Jonah did. And now I was coming to the point where I was, I was ready to say, God, if this is your assignment for me, I don't want to miss out on this. I don't want to stand before you with regrets. And you say, Andrew, there was an inheritance for you. There was something you were supposed to accomplish for my kingdom. And it you didn't do it. And I would, I would have regret. And so I started to fight for this every day. Say, God, I want to embrace my assignment. I want to pursue your purposes and not my own. My purpose is, my, is to get out of prison. But what if your purpose is for me to be here because you want to use this in some way? Now, I didn't want to be there. My emotions didn't change. I could never embrace the idea of being in prison emotionally. But I began to fight for this every day, and I'd wake up in the morning with fear and with grief and with anxiety, and I'd begin to fight. Okay, God, I want to embrace my assignment. If my assignment is to be in prison now, give me the endurance. Help me to persevere. And I would fight for this throughout the day, with various things. One of them was dancing. There were other things that I did as well, until by the end of the day, into the evening, I'd usually reach a point where I had surrendered. And that would bring me into the deepest level of peace that I experienced in prison. But then I'd wake up in the, ne- in the morning, and I'd wake up with the same fear and anxiety and grief. And I'd have to start that battle again. So the previous day's victory didn't carry over to the next day. Again, it was starting out, that battle to get to the point of surrender and embracing my assignment. Now, over a period of time, there was an upward trajectory to it, but it was still difficult. But this is what I ended up focusing on. There's a point in your book where you tell a story that uh, after the trial began, you were feeling frustrated, you were feeling anxiety, you were feeling frustration, but when you opened your mouth, what came out was, I love you, Jesus. Not, I'm mad at you. Not, why did you let this happen? But, I love you, Jesus. Why was that such a significant turning point? Well, it was a very low point for me. So I had been pressing into God for months, and I was knocked down again. I was sent back to my old prison where I had, I had experienced a lot of trauma. The trial had started clearly. It was a kangaroo court, and, and I, it, that was very clear to me. I was put in an isolation cell, and I was just broken again. 
now I wasn't accusing God like I did at the beginning. Now I was saying, oh, Lord, why, why did you let this happen? Why have you let them bring me back to this place where I was so broken before? Where are you? Because he's still silent. Why are you so silent? And I'm weeping. I'm weeping in my solitary confinement cell in this high-security, very intense, traumatic prison. And what comes out, even in my weeping, I, I hear myself saying, it surprised me. I hear myself <laughs> saying, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And the thought that came to my mind right on the heels of this is, wait, it's like a sudden realization, wait, this is my victory. This is a victory. I didn't plan it, this is, but this is a victory. Because at this very low point, what was really in my heart was coming out. This is why I say I don't want my story to be one of just brokenness and prison and darkness. Someone said to me later as I was explaining this silence of God, the, the difficulty I had with this, said to me, you know, Andrew, maybe God gave you God gave you a gift that he showed you your heart. God knew that I would make it through. I didn't. Love can be completely sincere and real. And yet, if it hasn't been tested, then it's not proven love. And I think that what happened here, what God gave to me as a gift, said, Andrew, your love has been tested. It's been through the fire. And it's, it's true and sincere. It's real. Like it was before as well. But now it's been through the fire. And now it's a proven love. Uh, kind of like uh, soldiers who uh, they can train for years. But then when they're, they've gone into battle, there's a different quality to them. And so I think this is what God often does in our testing. He allows us to go into difficulties and testing. And as a sense, it proves what he already knows, but we don't know about ourselves. That, yes, there is a commitment. There is a devotion. There is something very real and genuine in me that, that embraces God. And it's weak, but, but to God it's so beautiful. And this was such a gift to me because I talk about this period of God's silence. And it, was, it really tested my intimacy with him. But I came out of it with a deeper intimacy. In one of your statements to the court in Turkey, you said, you know, that you had had the privilege to suffer for Christ. How did you make the switch from, boy, God has abandoned me here, Why, how could this go on, to I have had the privilege to suffer for Christ? That was in my third trial session, and I had been very frustrated when uh, the ridiculous charges, the, uh, the judges obviously were not interested in truth. They were not allowing our witnesses to testify. And I finally decided, okay, in this session, I'm just here to present my faith. And I've been presenting it all along. I said, this is my goal, to forgive those who have been false witnesses and do this publicly and also to frame the context for what I was going through and say, whatever you've accused me of, the real reason I'm going through this is because of my 
a commitment to Jesus Christ. And so I declared those verses that I've repeated and that, that I danced to every day my second year in prison. You know, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you. All those things. And I said, blessed am I because I am in prison. Blessed am I. Because you have separated me from my wife and children, blessed am I. And I went through the list of things I had suffered. I declared, I know that I'm suffering this for Jesus Christ, and blessed am I. What brought me to that point? Uh, it took a while. And I say, uh, Noreen was detained with me for 13 days. Then they released her, and I was kept another two years. So I say, God just needed a lot longer to, <laughs> to work on me. <laughs> but it was, it was a process, and I loved God before. I served him for years before I was in prison. But that brokenness uh, and that rebuilding, coming to day after day, pressing into that uh, going after surrender, which comes from a fear of God, that was beginning to grow on me and starting to think from the perspective of eternity, which is very different for us when we're in difficulty, in the midst of difficulty. I didn't care about future reward. I want to be free now with my family. But as I, with that song that I talked about, pressing in and then again and again to that point of surrender and saying, I want your purposes, that's what brought me to that point in court where I was able to stand from having been full of fear to stand with some measure of strength and declare the gospel, declare forgiveness, and give a strong witness. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Andrew Brunson. He's the author of a brand new book, God's Hostage. You can get a link to order a copy at vomradio.net. Uh, Andrew, towards the end of the book, you, you write about a letter that you wrote to Noreen from prison where you basically reflected on, on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and saying in the letter, I want to drink my cup of suffering right down to the dregs. I want to drink every drop that God has for me to drink. The interesting and amazing thing is the next day you're released from prison to house arrest. Do you, what do you think about the timing of that? That, that on this night you're coming to that point of just complete surrender. Lord, I will drink whatever you have from the cup of suffering and the following day you're released to house arrest. The timing of the letter is why it's so significant for me, because I had just finished my third trial session, and they'd sent me back to prison for another three months, until the, and we were very discouraged. And actually, there had been an agreement to release me that had fallen apart. So I, I just thought, I, I don't know how long I'm going to be in prison. I had lost a lot of hope. Then I was reading in John, John chapter 18, and this verse just plunged into my heart where Peter's saying, no, no, you don't, shouldn't go to the cross. And Jesus said, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? And it's a rhetorical question. The obvious answer is yes, but I don't want to drink the cup. <laughs> I say, oh, Jesus, I've been drinking this cup for so long for myself. How long will I continue on? But help me, I want to drink this cup down to the dregs. I want the fullness of whatever you have planned for me. I don't want to miss out on any of your plans for me. And so it was a point of surrender. I was also struggling. I was like, oh no, how long do I have to drink it? But this is what my heart says. This is what Andrew and Christ says. This is what I say with my will. 
And I wrote that letter. I gave it to the guard the next morning uh, uh, at roll call to post to Noreen. And then that afternoon, suddenly, I'm released to house arrest. The house arrest was also very stressful. There were protests and calls to put me back in prison, and we didn't know what would happen. Uh, But I thought, wait, I ended the prison time, not knowing when I would be released. So this is just completely independent from what the result would be. But in that moment, I was saying, this is proof that, yes, I was surrendering to you. And this is why it was so precious. Before I left the prison, I said, give me that letter back. I need to keep this as proof and say, yes, this is where my heart was a day before I was released to house arrest and had no idea if I'd ever get out of prison. And it's fascinating to me that that God helped you get to that point of complete surrender and then almost immediately took you out of that situation. Well, I'd been working on it for a long time, <laughs> and I don't think I was released because of that. That was just the timing, and the timing of it was a gift to me uh, because now I had something in my hands that I could say, Lord, yes, there was a surrender. There had been surrender the right. week before and the week before. This is a very clear example at a very low point also of that surrender. I don't think that's what led to it. I say that the book is called God's Hostage. I didn't choose the title. The publishing company did. But it is true that I think I was Erdogan's hostage but only until God had completed what he was doing. So I say there's a much bigger story, which was raising up this massive amount of prayer that's going to transform Turkey, using me as a magnet for that. And when God had completed what he wanted to do, then he took all of that prayer and I wrote it out of Turkey. So it was God's timing, I believe. Amen. Andrew, one of the things we do on Voice of the Martyrs Radio is we equip people to pray, and so it's good that you've just mentioned prayer. And as we finish up today, I want to ask you, how do we pray? How do our listeners pray for the nation of Turkey right now? So we believe that there's a great harvest, a great move of God coming. We want to grab a hold of that and say yes to it, declare, because I I believe God spoke that to me, prepare for harvest. So we believe it's coming, and I believe that the the hardships that are coming to Turkey now are actually going to create the conditions for many people. It's going to shake the foundations of the things they trust in, and many people will begin to turn to Jesus. We already see an increased number of Turks coming into churches saying, I don't want to be a Muslim anymore. So it's starting. The big move hasn't started yet, but we're seeing the the beginnings of it, the promise of it. So we want to pray into that. We also believe that uh, God showed us in a number of ways that the harvest would come in difficult circumstances. So we believe that there's many missionaries right now are being uh, expelled from Turkey. We believe that the Turkish church was going to come under significant pressure. So we want to pray for the, the small, fragile, weak church because it Turkey is the largest unevangelized country in the world. The church there is very small. I would be very pessimistic about the survival of the church if it weren't for the signs I see from God that there's a big move coming and all of this prayer that he generated for Turkey. So we want to pray for the bride in Turkey, that she be pure, that she be uh, committed, devoted during this period of difficulty that is coming to them. And I have something that I prayed for myself, especially starting in my second year. 
I prayed for my children and uh, for my wife, and this is what I pray for the Turkish church as well, which I am glad to pray for your listeners. Father God, I ask you to pour out on your sons and daughters the courage, the strength, the confidence, the endurance, the perseverance, and steadfastness of Jesus, that we may run the race set before us and finish well, a beautiful bride purified in the fires of faithful obedience, tested and found worthy of her beloved, of Jesus, the King of glory. Amen. Amen. Pastor Andrew Brunson, thank you for your story. Thank you for your transparency, sharing both the victories and the the days of hardship and suffering. Uh, Thanks for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, and blessings to you. You've been listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. If you are just joining us, you will want to go to vomradio.net and listen to this whole conversation. We also had Pastor Andrew on last week, uh, so listen to both halves of the conversation. I also want to encourage you to be here next week. Two weeks from this weekend is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Uh, The video from the Voice of the Martyrs this year focuses on the story of a North Korean worker, a man named Pastor Han, who reached North Koreans from across the border in China. We're going to have Dr. Eric Foley on next week. He's going to talk about Pastor Han. He, He knew Pastor Han. He worked alongside him, and he's going to share some personal insights of the life of this martyred pastor ahead of the International Day of Prayer. So I want to encourage you, be back with us next week. You will be inspired by that conversation. If you're not familiar with the International Day of Prayer, you can go to vomradio.net slash IDOP. You can watch that video about Pastor Han. You can also get resources there to help your church pray on IDOP Sunday, the first Sunday in November. But join us again next week as we talk about the story of Pastor Han and the church in North Korea. And pray this week. Pray for the nation of Turkey Pray for Christians around the world who are still in prison, just as Andrew Brunson was in prison. And be back with us next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.